Welcome to Paths and Profiles, conversations and stories capturing the personal journeys of our attorneys, colleagues, and friends. Thank you all so much for being here this afternoon. My name is Josh Wood, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today. We are excited at Waller to recognize Black History Month by celebrating some of our talent that we have here today. So thank you for being with me. And I want to start off by just introducing yourself, Flynn. I'm going to start with you. All right. My name is Flynn Dowdy. I've been practicing since 2014. I graduated from the University of Miami School of Law in 2013, December. I'm an associate in the Labor and Employment Group. I am Chandra Nash. I hail from Jacksonville, Florida. I am an associate in our tax group. I got my JD from Florida A&M and then my LLM in tax from the University of Florida. Cynthia, what about you? Now, you went to Jackson State and your major was... Sociology. Okay. So I want to first talk about your path to law school. Flynn, starting with you, I know you went to the Howard University, HU. Yeah. Love the HBCU representation. You're a journalism major. Was it always the plan to go to law school? I think that for me, being a Howard student and graduating from Howard, there were so many notable Black jurists and lawyers who graduated from Howard. Thurgood Marshall, Kamala Harris, James Napier, who's a Nashville native, who is one of the namesakes of our local Black bar organization, graduated from Howard. Charlotte E. Ray, who's known to be the first Black woman lawyer in the United States, graduated from Howard. And just being in Washington at the center of our country's law, where it's created and where it's enforced, I think all those things encouraged me to go to law school. I love it. All right, Chandra. So you went to the University of Florida, a telecommunications management major. Did you plan to go to law school at the time? It was an option. I always dabbled with the idea of being a lawyer, but like growing up, I didn't know any lawyers. I had very limited exposure to the legal field, but I watched a lot of Cosby Show. And I was like obsessed with Claire Huxtable. Like she was just so smart and so self-assured. And when I was younger, people used to always ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I used to say, I want to be Claire Huxtable. I want to be Claire Huxtable. And once I got to undergrad and as I progressed through my scholastic career, I think I took the idea of actually going to law school a little bit more seriously. It became something that I could see myself doing because it just wasn't something that I believed was available for me just because I'd never seen it. So it was hard to believe that I could become something I'd never seen up close. Absolutely. Which is why representation is so important, which is why shows like The Cosby Show were so iconic because we were able to see Black folks in those kinds of roles we never seen. Yeah. Seeing yourself in a space, it gives you license to believe that you too can occupy that same space. Absolutely. Cynthia, you have a unique path. You got your master's in social work before going to law school. So tell us a little bit about your decision to get your master's and ultimately to go to law school. Yes, certainly. I always knew I wanted to be an attorney. Since I was a little girl, I used to tell everybody, I'm going to be an attorney. I used to read all of these legal thrillers, watch court TV shows. But at the time when I got to Jackson State, I realized, you know what, Cynthia, you don't know why you want to go to law school. I did not know my why. And I'm not a fan of doing anything unless I know the purpose behind it. So at that time, I was working with the Upward Bound program. And for those that are not familiar with it, it's a trio program where you work with students from impoverished communities, trying to make sure that they get through high school, advocating for them to go to college or get some sort of trade. And I started seeing the different issues that a lot of the students who look like me were facing. So then I started thinking, okay, maybe I don't want to go to law school. Maybe I'll better serve my community through social work. So that's what made me decide to go to social work. And 
And ironically enough, my first social work internship on the master's level was at a public defender's office. So through there, I was able to work with criminal defendants. I went to the jails, taught courses in the jails, tried to help them get resources for when they got out of jail. And I started seeing the impact that the criminal justice system can have on a person and how it can hinder them from reintegrating into society in in the term us lawyers know as collateral consequences. And also, I worked full time at a juvenile justice facility with females who were in a juvenile justice system who also had mental health issues. And I saw the way that the juvenile justice system impacted them. Mind you, certainly, whether it's the juvenile justice system or the criminal justice system, I started to begin to realize that, yeah, while some of these people may, quote unquote, deserve to be there, I realized a lot of people did not deserve to be there. It was a product of their experiences and their backgrounds and opportunities that they were or were not afforded. And so then I began to see, even in the foster care system, how the law can impact a person's life and the huge impact it can have on a person's life, whether it's good or bad. And that's when I started realizing, okay, maybe I do want to go to law school. I still want to pursue that. And then I had my why. So when I went to law school, I went in with the mindset that I wanted to be an advocate for historically oppressed communities, my community and people who look like me. Right. That is wonderful. Chandra, you got through law school. You killed it at Florida A&M, but then went to Florida for a tax program. It's like the top tax program Mm -hmm. in the country. What made you decide to continue school and specialize in tax? So I stumbled into tax. In my JD program, I took a basic federal income tax course and I loved it. Generally speaking in JD, I just did better in statutory-based courses. So I was like, okay, this tax thing is interesting. So I took all the tax courses in my JD program and I hit a roadblock. I was like, what's next? Like, what do you do with an interest in tax law? And so I spoke to one of my Black female professors who had gone through the LLM program at UF. And she said, you're interested in this particular area. You've done well in your courses. Maybe you should look at getting an LLM. And so I did. And I guess the rest is kind of history. I love it. Kudos again to those who paved the way before us, that black professor that you had to see that was something that you could probably accept mm-hmm. and something that she did as well. Mm-hmm. Again, the representation here is so important. Absolutely. I want to shift now and talk a little bit about your time here at Waller and what you're doing for our clients. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, we'll start with you. You had some great experience coming in as a lateral. So you yes. practiced for a private firm before coming here. You're now a mid-level associate. Tell us what practice group you're in and describe what you do for Wallace clients. Okay, sure. So I'm in a labor and employment practice group. And pretty much what we do for our clients here, we handle their employment issues. So from the counseling perspective, sometimes it looks like putting out fires or just getting on the phone with our clients and speaking with them about their employment matters. They may want to know, okay, can I terminate this particular employee? And we advise them on that. We may advise them on their employment policies, like whether it's their anti-discrimination or anti-harassment policies. We help them create employment handbooks that they can provide to their employees. Employees, we advise them on sick leave, vacation leave, what the various states, because each state is different. We advise them on that. We also advise them on issues concerning overtime payment. And that's more the counseling perspective. But we also have the perspective with the EOC stage where if a employer gets a charge of discrimination against them, we represent the employer. We investigate whatever type of allegations that come against them and we file a position statement on their behalf. But also litigation. If our clients are being sued, we represent them in a litigation perspective. Or even if they need to sue somebody, if they have a non-compete issue, then we represent them. So no two days look the same, but Mm -hmm. that's pretty much the gist of it. Okay. I'm in your practice group, so very familiar with it. I want to ask you sort of a hot take question that I struggle with. We are often called to give advice about 
things like gender and race. And I'm wondering how you separate your professional views and advice and counsel from some of your personal views. I could see how you may be presented with a scenario that may implicate some race or some gender issues. How do you advise clients through that as a Black woman? Good question. Sometimes, in all honesty, it can be hard. I think the thing that I have to constantly tell myself, Cynthia, you're here to do a job, but also in doing that job, be true to yourself. And it's not going to help a client to just say, okay, we're going to try this without educating them on the importance of not just having certain policies in place. Let's just use, let's say a client gets sued for using racial slurs for discrimination. It's not just important to have a policy in place, but also it's important to train your employees on those policies. And that's where I see my role is, hey, this is a problem. I'm not going to tell you it's not a problem. We will advise the client of ways that they can prevent this moving forward. That's why representation is important, going to somebody like you or somebody else who looks like me and just being able to talk with them through these issues and say, hey, I'm struggling with this some cases, the allegations have no merit to it, but some cases they do have merit to it. And it can hit a personal place with me. So being able to separate the two is important in the way I'm able to do that. Remember one, that I'm here to do my job, which is to represent the client too. Part of my job is to educate them and advise them whether they take it this on them. But also I can go and speak with someone about it, say, hey, this is hard for me. How would you suggest that I speak with the partner about this issue or the best way I can navigate this scenario so that both people are pleased, whether it's the partner is pleased with the outcome, but also the client is pleased with the outcome because at the end of the day, we do work for the client. Absolutely. Flynn, you went from the Mecca to Miami, but you graduated early, which is phenomenal and went to Houston to be a prosecutor. So that's a big change. Tell me about the experience of being a prosecutor and a Black woman. There's something strong and powerful about that role. So tell me about your experience. So I think in roles, especially where you have such power to change people's lives, whether it be victims or defendants, especially in areas where typically we're underrepresented, being able to be a Black woman prosecutor, really in a day and age, and we're still seeing this, where there's lots of injustice, where there is a lot of social commentary around the criminal justice system. It was a very interesting time and still is to be in that field. And so I learned a lot that really taught me how to be a lawyer, the skills that I have today that I use here at Waller, I learned from being a prosecutor. And so it was a great learning experience, but also an opportunity to give back to the community and help people who couldn't help themselves. I can imagine it was also hard and heavy emotionally. Depending on the kind of case that I had, it could take a toll on you. You develop connections with people and you want to do more sometimes than you can. And so even being able though to see young minorities in the system, you have the opportunity to help change their course as well. So many times people think of prosecutors as people who, you know, put people in jail. And yes, I did do that when it was warranted. But you also have the opportunity to shift the dynamic and help people who have made a mistake but shouldn't necessarily be judged by the worst mistake ever made. Being able to balance that and help protect the community was rewarding. So, Cynthia, I want to talk a little bit more about your personal experience as a Black woman navigating several spaces. You started off as an HBCU, which I'm jealous of that experience. But then you went 
to the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And you got several degrees from PWIs where you probably had a different experience. So talk to me about what representation meant to you and what it currently means to you in all these different sort of phases of your career so far. Yeah. So I was fortunate to go to an HBCU and transitioning from an HBCU was somewhat of a shocker, not necessarily a shocker, but it was an adjustment. That's a better term. It was an adjustment. But speaking specifically for law school, also the Black Law Students Association, just having those people, their representation, having a community there was so instrumental throughout my law school years because I had people who looked like me who understood my background. I could go to talk to about different issues I was facing, but also get their perspective on, okay, Cynthia, you may need to look at it this way, or just maybe even having a safe space to vent and talk through issues because sometimes we just need to vent and having that representation was important. So even when I came to Walla, one of the things that was important to me was looking, trying to figure out, okay, who has been able to excel as an associate and become a partner like yourself and get their experiences while here at Waller. But even in my old firm, having somebody I could go to, there was an incident I felt, not I felt, I knew was wrong. And just having somebody I could go to and say, hey, this is what happened. I want your take on it. And I want your thoughts on how I can best address the situation. And had I not had that representation there, I still would have addressed it, but it would have taken me much longer and I would not have felt as empowered to address the situation. Absolutely. So again, this is one of the ways that Waller has chosen to recognize and celebrate Black History Month. So want to get your insight and perspective for the up and coming folks who may be looking at you all as you did Claire Huxtable and as you did some of the folks in your family. So tell me about the importance of inspiration throughout your journey. I think one of the things that I've always tried to do is find a mentor or someone who is like-minded, someone who have been where I've been. I love when I'm able to meet other women who have been in this profession and who have been successful. When I meet Black women who are able to be successful in a field that historically we've not been represented in, I think is always an encouragement. I think when you see somebody who's done what you've done, who's overcome obstacles that you're facing is always encouraging. Someone you can call and say, hey, I'm dealing with this issue. What would you do? Whether it be a professional issue or a personal issue, having someone who you consider a friend and a mentor who's walked this path before has been a huge support system for me. Just to piggyback off of what Flynn touched on, just being able to see people that look like you doing things that you're interested in. So I went to an HBCU law school, so I had nothing but mentors and representation. I had a bunch of real life Claire Huxtables that I could glean into and get insight about the field and about the profession. Those are experiences I don't take lightly just because so many of us are first generation. So we don't really know what it is or what it means to exist in this space. So being able to have people that you can call and say, how do I handle this situation? Or what's the correct response to this is invaluable to me. Completely agree. Cynthia? see, inspiration. I'm the first attorney in my family. So I didn't necessarily have any representation in my family. However, my family was and still is inspiration because even when I was a little girl saying I was going to be a lawyer, they never said, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. They always told me that I could be whatever I wanted to be. And they were always behind me 100% supporting me. So they're certainly my biggest inspiration. But even once I got to law school, one of the biggest inspirations is a mentor who I hold near and dear to my heart. She's a retired civil rights attorney. And I met her because I was hosting 
a panel of the 50th anniversary at the time of the passing of the Voting Rights Act. And she was supposed to be the moderator. And when we met, it was like we'd known each other our whole lives. And she was the one who actually introduced me to the federal judge I clerked for, who was the first, who is the first and only African-American female federal judge in the state of Mississippi. And I never even considered a clerkship, but she was the one who was like, no, you're more than qualified. You're prepared. You can do this. And had she not said that to me, I would have never gone down that path. But even since then, she has been an inspiration to me. Whatever opportunity she hear about that she thinks that I'm good for, she will call me. She's willing to pick up the phone and make a phone call on my behalf. So she's been a huge inspiration. And even people that I've met along the way, a federal judge down in Southern District who's a black male, he has been a mentor to me, seeing how he is willing to use his position to speak truth to power. That has been an inspiration. And even just the countless black women who have gone before me that I have never met and will never meet, they have been an inspiration learning about their stories. I think about Constance Baker Motley, who's the first African-American female federal judge in this country, who's now passed. But reading about her story, even when we think of Brown versus Board of Education, all we hear about is Thurgood Marshall, but most people don't realize that Constance Baker Motley was the person who wrote the complaint for Brown versus Board of Education, and she is one of my sheroes. So I know about history facts. You better know it. <laughs> no, seriously. But just those people, whether I've met them or not, they have been inspirations. They have been an inspiration to me. So their representation is important for me. I love it. My next question, I want to talk to you all about dealing with conflict as Black lawyers. Sometimes things get a little bit heated, but stereotypes can make those exchanges more difficult or more than what they are. We also may be advising clients on situations that are race or gender or disability sensitive. So... How do you navigate that? I've always strived to be a reasonable person. And as a lawyer, we're taught to look at things from both sides. In litigation, things can get contentious. I think that, number one, being professional and not letting anybody take you outside of that space, knowing that people are going to poke you and prod you and want to get you riled up to maybe attribute some sort of stereotype to you. I think keeping that in mind, if you are dealing with somebody who has that sort of ill will. But I think if you maintain professionalism and not let people project on you what they think about you. I can't control how, you know, someone feels about me if they don't know me or never had an experience with me. So it goes back to that sort of imposter syndrome. I deserve to be here. I deserve to express my opinion as a woman, as a black woman. I deserve to disagree with you and we can do it professionally. And if I disagree with you, it doesn't make me any less professional and it doesn't make me any less worthy of having a JD behind my name. And so having that confidence and project that onto other people and treating people, you know, with respect, I think begs for them to also treat you with respect. And I think clients appreciate a perspective from someone who has maybe been in that situation before who can say, I've experienced something similar, but this is why this person is wrong because these are the facts in this particular case. And just because they may have experienced that elsewhere doesn't mean that they can take those experiences and make an indictment upon you as an employer, if that makes sense. So having that perspective I think is valuable to partners who might not have that perspective, to other lawyers here, and also to clients. Absolutely. Completely agree. So, Chandra, you may not be a litigator, but you have calls, client calls, I'm sure, all the time, and folks tend to interrupt and talk over folks. You're probably one of the youngest in your group, and then that comes with its own set of challenges. How do you maneuver when you get tested? 
I just govern myself by the principle that the truth looks different depending on who's perceiving it. So what I might perceive as someone being like short or rude or frustrated may just be them having a bad day. So I try not to internalize it and not take it personally because if you do, it'll drive you crazy. So I'm aware that takes a lot of emotional maturity and to just understand that, you know, we are human, we have bad days, but how that person's feeling has nothing to do with me. Love it. I love it. So I want to end our time together and I'm so grateful. I'm happy to have learned so much about you all today. I'm so excited to see your careers thrive here at Waller. The diversity committee has worked hard to create a pipeline of talent like yourself. So to see you here with us and to hear your stories has been amazing today. So let's close maybe with some advice to young black women. When prepping for this interview, one of the questions I had written down is like, what do you say to the black girl who got the comment? <laughs> On the report card, which I used to get all the time, which is talks too loudly and often in class, which is verbatim what I used to get every time. Turn it into your advantage. And there's nothing wrong with having that gift of gap. Obviously, you know, contained, yeah. but use it to your advantage. Growing up, I was always that kid who did really well in school, but my teachers always said I talked too much. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take that and turn it into a profession. And that's what I do every day. Talk a lot for my clients. There's so many things you can do with your voice to be heard. So use it, young Black girls. The advice I would have for young Black women, just professionals in general, first and foremost, stay true to yourself. Stay true to your convictions because that's what's going to get you further down the path. Also, realize that this professional journey, and if you're thinking about law school, this legal journey, it really is that it's a journey and extend yourself some grace. Also, don't take rejection personal, whether it's rejection from people or opportunities, and realize that whatever opportunity is for you, you won't miss it. Realize that you have something to offer. You deserve to be there just as much as anybody else. Be confident. Don't allow people to place their insecurities or their fears or their preconceived biases on you. And also be open to people who maybe don't look like you because you never know. I think it's important to grow your network and get to know people, but also realize that you're magic and you have something to offer people. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for sharing your story and your time with us this afternoon. We are so proud of you and cannot wait to see you continue to grow and thrive here at Walker. Thank you for listening to this episode of Paths and Profiles. For more information, visit wallerlaw.com slash diversity.